Where do you see your career in 10 years? What are you doing now to help you get there? The sooner you start enhancing your skills, the sooner you'll be ready. That's why AARP has reskilling courses in a variety of categories like marketing and management to help your income live as long as you do. That's right. AARP has a bevy of free skill building courses for you to choose from because the steps that you choose to take today will help you to love what you do in the future. And that's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, so whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well, what better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. <clears throat> AT&T connects an O to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're answering your listener questions. That's right, man. This is a listener question Monday. We've got five fantastic questions that I am excited to answer. We're going to hear from a listener who is asking about putting virtually all of her expenses on a credit card. Some pros and cons there. We're going to answer another question uh, as it pertains to refinancing a house. When is it a good idea to refinance and when is it not? And then we're going to answer a question too about what to do with uh, an extra $5,000 uh, that they received as a gift. Plus, of course, buddy, we've got two surprise questions that we don't announce. Oh, I love the surprise <laughs> questions. <laughs> uh, before we get there, Matt, real quick, I wanted to mention that uh, a listener in our Facebook group recently posted a story about how uh, Northwest Arkansas is paying people to move there. They're paying people $10,000 
and they're giving you a bike at the same time. You can choose either a, a street bike or an, an off-road bike. Uh, and yeah, because I guess there's just- Also known as mountain bikes. Mountain bike. There's so many trails up there, apparently, like uh, road trails and off-roading trails. We talked recently about the cheap Scandinavian houses and people potentially moving there. Well, if you don't want to quite go that far, maybe Northwest Arkansas is a good place for a lot of people who don't necessarily love where they live right now. Yeah, you mentioned all the good biking up there. That's not the first time that we've heard about all the good biking there up in Arkansas. I think we had a, a listener question, and he m- recommended that we should check out Arkansas sometime because there's good beer, there's good biking, and now there's this incentive. You know, $10,000, that should easily cover any moving costs when you and I uproot our families <laughs> and move out there. But uh, but seriously, like when you see something like this, does it actually make you consider consider moving? You know, like we, you see an opportunity. You see that there's uh, some place to, that you could move to that has a much lower cost of living. How much do you actually consider that? So, so much of it, I think, depends on how deep your roots are where you live. Our roots are super deep, like a hundred year old oak, it feels like, because, you know, so much of our, our neighborhood, so many of our friends are, are literally right here where we uh, where we live. And, and and my parents are really close. My sisters are really close. So family wise, I mean, I'm, I'm probably not going to leave for 10,000 bucks and better bike trails. It's just not going to happen. But I think for, for a lot of people out there uh, who, especially in a pandemic where you can work from home, maybe your roots aren't as deep somewhere or you have been more transient. Uh, one of these kind of things could get you interested in a place like Northwest Arkansas and you might be like cool I'm pulling the trigger if if it includes a bike and some money (laughs) I mean the bike is just kind of like this bonus like the bike (laughs) is there for the headlines let's just hope it's not a huffy you know (laughs) but I mean this is something I feel like I'm questioning more I think for a lot of individuals it's allowed them to reflect a little bit right provide a little bit of introspection where they're like yeah I mean I'm, I'm with you right our families were entrenched it feels like at this point and it does feel like that we are this 100 year old oak right uh, that it, that we can't be transplanted but I do think it's possible I think uh, it wouldn't be easy but you know if there are enough benefits and when you have some place that is significantly more affordable to live than in the city here in Atlanta and Atlanta is a pretty affordable city but there are places that are a lot more affordable and if that meant just a lot more free freedom over time. Uh, I mean, I'm thinking about like the amount of time I would be able to spend with my family, enjoying other pursuits, uh, traveling. It really makes me consider it. And I think the biggest barrier would be making sure that you guys would move with us because <laughs> <laughs> so that way we could continue to create the podcast. Uh, but, but yeah, you know, we kind of mentioned the sweet spot when it comes to refinancing. I feel like there could be a sweet spot when it came to a small town that was affordable, that had good schools, obviously for the kids, but also, you know, it wouldn't hurt if there's a good brewery there as well, close to nature. And if they don't have one, we open the brewery, I guess, oh, right? We could do that, man. Yeah. So, I mean, if listeners out there, if you know of a city that's maybe highly underrated, Send it my way. I might spend 10, 15, 20 minutes perusing Zillow, kind of getting a feel for the real estate market there. Uh, that could inform where I live next year. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So the podcast potentially migrating. I don't know. We'll see. You're going to have to twist our arms in order to make that happen. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, we'll post a link in our show notes too to the article describing um, the, the perks that Northwest Arkansas is offering to people who are willing to move there. It's pretty cool. And it's just another one of those things where a lot of people are moving these days. Um, you know, if Northwest Arkansas Arkansas hasn't been on your list to consider. Well, it might be now. All right, Matt, let's move on to the beer that we're having on this episode. This one's a black raspberry sour from Westbrook Brewing Company. They're out of South Carolina, making good stuff. Looking forward to having this one on the show with you today, my friend. Yeah, and we will share our thoughts on this one at the end of the episode. But let's go ahead now, shift to listener questions. Before we get started here, listeners can submit their own questions by sending us a voice memo, just emailing that to us. It's as easy as that. For full instructions, you can go to howtomoney.com forward slash ask. And so without further ado, Joel, let's get to our first question. Hello, 
Joel and Matt. My name is Jenny, and I am calling from Bend, Oregon, the home of Deschutes Brewery, among some other great and famous breweries. I have a very simple approach to credit card usage. I have just one card, and it offers cash back for every purchase. I use it for everyday expenses, and I pay it off weekly to make sure I don't slip into debt. I've been thinking of extending my credit card use by switching over some of my monthly bills to my card so I can get cash back for money I'll already be spending every month. What would be your advice or pros and cons on switching over regular bills to be paid by credit card as a way to earn more cash back or reward points? Thank you and cheers. Jenny, thanks so much for your question. By the way, Oregon and craft beer go hand in hand. Uh, and biking, speaking of great places to live. <laughs> dude, and disc golf, great disc golf up in Oregon. Oh, is there? Yeah. Uh, played some courses there. Good stuff. There it is. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if Jenny's played or not, but Jenny, if you haven't, <laughs> go check it out. And Jenny, it sounds like you're using your credit cards in an incredibly smart and wise way. So kudos to you uh, on that. And Matt and I, we actually think that that all regular bills should be paid with credit cards if you can handle them responsibly uh, like you're actually doing. Yeah, that's right. And Jenny, you're asking about the pros and cons. And so the biggest con is that using a credit card could cause you to overspend, right? This is maybe more of an obvious con. But a study by analytics and research company Dun & Bradstreet, they found that consumers spend on average 12 to 18% more when they use their credit cards instead of cash. Uh, essentially, you know, it just makes it easier to make those purchases when there is virtually no pain in the moment, when you don't have to part yourself with some of that hard cash. Yeah, they hand the credit card right back to you. <laughs> it doesn't feel like you're losing anything. <laughs> exactly. Uh, there's also this older report published by McDonald's themselves, and, and they showed that credit card users spent more than 35% more than cash customers. And so just it's something to keep in mind how using plastic, it, it essentially just softens the blow. It doesn't make it feel quite as painful when you make those purchases. Yeah, and that means that people who use credit cards can, if they're not careful, to mind the behavioral element of, of how they use it, they can spend more and use Using a credit card can be bad for your personal finances. And related to that overspending is the fact that there can be an almost two-month delay before you have to actually pay for that expense, right? Depending on whether you made a particular credit card purchase during a billing cycle, uh, unless you track your expenses diligently and keep up with those statements, some people could find themselves way overspending and their credit card spending limit is the only thing actually reining them in, preventing them from spending more. They're hitting the limit um, and they can't spend any further. And that's not a good place to be. Yeah. If you're not tracking it well, you could find yourself two months later in a pretty deep hole, right? Because if you continue down that path of poor spending of that behavior without checking yourself, that could be bad news. But luckily, it sounds like losing track of where your expenses are isn't a problem for you, Jenny, since uh, you pay your balance off every week. We love that. And I think it's a great thing for more folks to consider. Yeah, let's really quick mention what that means, Matt. Instead of paying your balance off once a month, you know, when the when the bill is due, if you pay every single week the balance that you've accrued, uh, one, it's going to lower your utilization rate. And then two, it's just going to make sure that you're on top of your spending a whole lot more. Or you could even go with more of a hybrid approach. So I don't wait until I receive the statement, uh, but I also don't pay it weekly. I meet it right in the middle. I wait until the end of the month, and then I make sure whatever the current balance is at that point that we pay for it. That way, we're not carrying purchases over from one month into the next month's finances. And so those are some of the cons. But Jenny, the obvious pro are the rewards that you snag just for using the right payment method. And in particular, because uh, these are you're talking about recurring monthly bills, there's uh, less of a likelihood that your spending will change by putting those bills on a credit card. 
So obviously that's the biggest benefit, but there are actually a, a whole host of sort of lesser known benefits that credit cards can offer. We actually did an episode on this, Joel, way back, episode 36. We talked about some of the hidden or some of the lesser known benefits that you receive from paying with a credit card. If you haven't listened to that one, we'd recommend you go check that one out. That's true. So many things that you buy, uh, you will get an extended warranty. Or if you rent a car, you could get rental car insurance. I mean, there are all these additional perks to spending with a credit card that you don't get when you use cash or a debit card. And so, Jenny, it sounds like, too, you've only got one credit card. We would suggest applying for at least one more and then maybe even another six months down the road, apply for a third. Three credit cards is typically a solid number to have in your purse or your wallet, and it can allow you to earn higher awards by putting the right monthly bills on the proper cards. Again, as long as you can keep your spending under control and it's not causing you to spend more than you otherwise would, using the right cards for the right bills is going to provide you the best rewards possible. Matt, the Amex Blue Cash Preferred is one we've talked about using that in particular for groceries and for streaming. You get 6% cash back on that. Yeah, and you have recently joined the, uh, the bandwagon I joined there. your cult. Yes, uh, <laughs> you are taking part of the 6% cash back at grocery stores. You can't beat it, dude. You just can't deny how, so how great that is for <laughs> grocery spending. Welcome to the club. <laughs> <laughs> and Jenny, if you're a Costco member, Costco's credit card is really good too, in particular for using on gas and travel and for purchases at Costco. And then uh, just a general 2% cash back card, like the City Double Cash or the Fidelity 2% uh, cash back rewards credit card. Those are two of my favorite credit cards. And I use those basically for everything else that doesn't have an additional perk to go along side of it. So yeah, make sure you're using the the right card for the bills to maximize your rewards, while at the same time, keeping an eye on those balances and making sure that your spending's not getting out of control. That way, you're getting the best of both worlds. Yeah. So obviously, one of the benefits of having these additional cards is having kind of the specialized benefits. But by default, by getting these other lines of credit, you, you are also increasing the amount of credit that's available to you, Jenny, which hopefully will mean that when you do start putting some of these recurring monthly utilities or other bills on these cards, that it won't raise your utilization rate above 30% uh, bare minimum. But hopefully, you're keeping it even under 10%. Uh, that's how you can really make sure that you're keeping your, your utilization rate really low. Ideally, around 7% is what the pros <laughs> say. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, and, and she's going to be there if she's paying her... her yeah, exactly. Uh, once a week, she's paying off her credit card bill. Her utilization, already low. So I'm not worried about Jenny, really, from that standpoint. Jenny, get another credit card or two. Those rewards are going to be nice to have just from putting your everyday spending on those credit cards. And by the way, all three of those credit cards that we mentioned are in an article on our website at howtomoney.com where we talk about our favorite credit cards for how people spend. If you want to check that one out, we'll put that up in our show notes for this episode. All right, Matt, we got more questions to get to, including one about ditching a Roth account with ridiculously high fees. We'll get to that and more right after this break. You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you to get there? Well, there are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. What about that dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come, but none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. 
So, it's safe to say, it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, your health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash wisefriend. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach. Do. Every single summer, we've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pump for that. But sometimes, those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host, or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, Or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney for your extended 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. And now a word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. All right, we are back from the break. And let's go ahead now and take a question about refinancing a home. Where is that sweet spot? Hi, Matt and Joel. This is Ryan from Wilmington, North Carolina. And I just had a couple questions on uh, refinancing for a mortgage. Uh, The first one is, uh, I heard that it's best to uh, refinance when you can get at least two percentage points lower on your interest rate. I just want to get your thoughts on that. Uh, If there's a set amount, I know more is better to get it down lower, but uh, just 
wanted to get your thoughts on the 2%. And then the last one is uh, rolling the closing costs into the refinance loan amount. Uh, just wanted to think, uh, get your pros and cons on that. Uh, love the show. You guys are doing awesome. And I uh, love the, uh, the beer selections. Good job. Matt Ryan is from Wilmington. Uh, North yeah. Carolina, and and uh, there's good beers in Wilmington, North Carolina. Yeah, New Anthem, uh, which is a beer that we've had on the show before, they are there. So Ryan, it sounds like you enjoy the craft beer aspect of the show as well. If you have not had any New Anthem beers, uh, we would highly recommend that. Although, I'm guessing that's probably like your daily beer. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably your go-to beer. I'm guessing it's not even all that special for you being up there, but uh, yeah, we had it recently, and man, they were so good. Yeah, when we get New Anthem down here, I'm all over it, because <laughs> they're delicious. Uh, but yeah, Ryan, let's get on to your question, and, and maybe when you were having that conversation about the the lowering your mortgage interest rate by two percentage points maybe you're talking to someone who's really really conservative because the the rule of thumb typically i would say is that even just a one percent rate cut will make it worth it to refinance your mortgage so if you can get a rate of two points lower that's incredible and it typically will make <laughs> refinancing more like a slam dunk uh, much less of a, a question but rules of thumb don't always cut it in all refinance scenarios there are certainly other things to keep in mind and there are specific numbers that you're going to need to run at the same time yeah so let's go beyond the rules of thumb there and, and kind of dive into your specific situation here Ryan you're going to want to go beyond just considering your payments and think about how much you'll be paying in interest over the life of the loan uh, you can quickly run an amortization schedule on your current loan and on the new loan that you're considering to see how much you'll be able to save in interest over the life of the loan. And the ideal spot for you to land is to lower your interest rate without adding too many years uh, to your payoff time. And so, for instance, if you're 10 years into a 30-year mortgage, in that case, we would rather you look into you know maybe a 15-year or maybe a 20-year mortgage uh, versus going back into you know another 30-year mortgage. That's the only sort of downside, I guess, to refinancing is that sometimes it, it kind of hits the reset button on how long it is that you're paying for that house via the mortgage. Yeah, yeah. And for instance, if you'd been in a house for 10 years and then you uh, refinance into another 30-year mortgage, you're talking about paying off your house over 40 years. And that's just that's just too long in my book. But um, yeah, let's talk about the break-even point too. Another consideration if you're looking to refinance is how long you're planning to be in that house. NerdWallet has a great refi calculator that we'll link to in the show notes that will help you know if a refinance is the right move for you based on your specific circumstances. They include, in particular, the all-important break-even point. And that means how long is it going to take to make back those closing costs um, in monthly payments? And we prefer for the break-even point to be three years or less in most cases. Yeah, because beyond that, I mean, who knows if you'll even still be in that house, right? And so Much you, less that loan. Exactly. Yeah. You want to make sure that not only are you living in the house and that you're reaping the benefits from that, but that the savings will pay for that refi. Yeah. And it's funny. Some people ask about you know, refinancing and they're like, well, I'm probably going to sell in a year or two and almost never. Don't <laughs> refinance. The, yeah. It doesn't yeah. make sense to refinance, <laughs> even if the rate is, you know, a point and a half lower or two points lower if you're going to sell in 12 to 18 months. Exactly. You're just not going to make it back and it's going to be more of a hassle than it's worth. So Ryan, at the same time, make sure to shop with multiple lenders before you make a decision. If you're a Costco member, we mentioned Costco again here, <laughs> uh, that is a great place to go to get quotes um, through through their mortgage refinance service. Also look at better.com, Rocket Mortgage, and local credit unions. Those are all great places to, to shop rates and to compare terms. That could save you hundreds, if not thousands 
thousands of dollars in closing costs. You know, if Aldi had mortgages, they would only <laughs> offer the 15-year mortgage. It would be crazy cheap. And the underwriting, it wouldn't exist. It's just like instantaneous approval. <laughs> they're, they're just going to want to get you through that line as quickly as possible. Well, they might screw things up if they didn't do underwriting correctly, though. But no, I agree. That's I think true. It's all formulas and algorithms for the most part these days, too. But Yeah, Aldi does everything well with groceries. I mean, I can see them getting into something else. Maybe, maybe some mortgage refinancing. <laughs> And Ryan, you're asking about rolling the closing costs uh, into the loan. We're fine with that, especially if you're jumping on a really, really low rate. Uh, you know, if not paying the closing costs out of pocket, if that allows you to prioritize other financial goals like saving and investing, then we would say go ahead and roll those costs into the the mortgage, into the loan amount. However, if you've got additional cash on hand that you might otherwise spend frivolously, you know, Joel, like on a jet ski, on a sea doo that's, <laughs> that's like your classic go-to <laughs> of, a, of a waste of money. If that's the situation that you might see yourself kind of slipping into, uh, we'd rather see you pay for those closing costs now out of pocket, almost as a means of, of forced savings. And beyond that too, it, it really is a great time to refinance with the 30-year rates at all-time lows these days. Yeah, if you look at the stats, there are still millions and millions and millions of American homeowners who could benefit financially from doing a refinance right now. But a lot of people still haven't jumped on it. And actually, your procrastination might be to your benefit because rates have continued to sink lower. They're incredibly low right now. You could potentially get a 30-year rate in the upper twos or a 15-year rate below 2.5%. So if you're planning on being in that house for a while um, and you could save a substantial amount, refinancing makes sense for a whole lot of people these days. But let's get to our next question, Matt. This one's about a Roth account with high fees and also having to have a conversation with your dad about it. Hey, Joel and Matt. Love the show. This is Owen from North Carolina. I have a Roth IRA account retirement question. So I have two Roth accounts. One was started by my dad when I was a teenager and one was started by me a couple years ago. The one started by my dad has an expense ratio of 1.32%, and the Vanguard account I started a couple years ago has an expense ratio of 0.15%. I want to roll over the one that my dad started into Vanguard and wanted to get your thoughts first, because it's going to be difficult when I tell him that I'm moving away from the same person that's his financial advisor as well. Let me know your thoughts, guys. Thanks. Owen, thank you so much for that question. Amen. It's really cool of your dad to have started a Roth IRA for you, even if it is one with super high fees. <laughs> you know, if you look at the performance of the S and P 500 over the past 15 years, you know, which could have been when your dad opened uh, that account for you, you'd see an average return of over 10%, and that includes the massive bear market from the housing crisis. And so, just a quick illustration of how amazing compound interest is. And 15 years ago, the maximum contribution limit uh, for a Roth IRA was four thousand. Right, and so if you had invested four thousand dollars every year for the past fifteen years, right now today you would have over one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Wow! Boom! <laughs> That's impressive. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah. So yeah, compounding is huge. The the earlier you can get your kids started with a Roth, if they have earned income, the better they will be. And it sounds like Owen is in a pretty good spot, except for those fees. So let's talk about that. Yeah. Well, let's talk about this combo as well, Matt. Right? Um, like you and I, we've talked a lot about how important but also how difficult it can be to have financial conversations with people that you love, um, it, your significant other, your parents, a sibling. But 
they are almost always worth having at the same time. And for Owen, I think if, if his dad was intentional enough with money to help him start funding a Roth in the first place, my guess is that if Owen starts a conversation um, and talks about the impact of fees on the future performance of this money that his dad cared so much to set aside, that his dad will be pretty receptive. Um, and his dad will understand why he's moving his money to a low-cost company like Vanguard. And he'll actually probably be proud and not bummed. And I think, Owen, there's a way for you to approach that conversation uh, from a standpoint of letting your dad know what you've learned and less from a standpoint of, well, dad, you screwed it up and now I'm here to fix it. <laughs> That's just not the way to go about it. But yeah, if you approach it well, I, I could see your dad being incredibly receptive to you making that change. Yeah. Having some of that evidence there will certainly make that conversation a lot easier. And so, Owen, you know, you'll likely want to continue to appeal to his logos, you know, like with the uh, rhetorical, what is it? Rhetorical theory, Joel, where it's like you can appeal to his emotions. No, no, no we're going to appeal to his logic. right? <laughs> uh, so to drive home how much that 1% fee could cost you, like that could mean that you would have five hundred and ninety thousand dollars less in retirement if you leave that money where it currently is that sounds, that sounds like a lot less money matt dude it is a ton <laughs> less money yeah uh, it's a big deal people don't get how big of a deal fees are yeah it could massively erode the amount of wealth the amount of money that owen could have in retirement and again this is all thanks to compounding you know the example i gave earlier that was only over a 15 year period but you take that and you stretch it over like a 20 or a 40 year period and compounding goes from this pretty impressive thing to this almost insurmountable kind of thing. When, when you have it working for you, uh, you can almost not help but to see your wealth and your money grow. So yeah, helping your dad see the impact of those fees and how a simple move actually prevents you from paying those fees is a great conversation. It's one worth having, especially since it impacts you so much, Owen. So compare apples to apples. Calculate two scenarios with the same rate of return, the same annual contributions, but with different expense ratios. One, if you were to keep your Roth, the place that your dad initially opened it with that 1.32% expense ratio, and then the other one with your 0.15 expense ratio, and with the numbers side by side like that, I think it should make a really compelling case for going with Vanguard. So much so that it would hopefully maybe even encourage your dad to switch over as well. Maybe your dad hasn't heard much about the mega impact that fees can have on investment returns. I mean, you know, 1% doesn't sound all that terrible. But when you run the numbers, the impact is self-evident. And so I would hope approaching your dad with, with some kindness along with that compelling math would make for a really good conversation um, and potentially major savings for, for both of you on your investments in the future. Yeah, no, and we noticed too that your uh, the expense ratio that you mentioned with your Vanguard fund is 0.15. And I'm pretty sure he's looking at a target date retirement fund because all of those I first, all those yeah. funds have uh, expense ratios at 0.15 percent. And so, oh, and if that's you, good work, man. That's yeah. a that's a great way to go. Good fun to be in. You don't really have to think about it. Just kind of set it and forget it. So, all right, we got a couple more questions to get to, including turning a primary home into a rental home, and we'll get to two more questions right after this break. You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you to get there? Well, there are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. What about that dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. 
So, it's safe to say, it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, your health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash wisefriend. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach. Do. Every single summer, we've already got that trip to St. Simon's on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes, those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host, or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house. Or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch. They make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. Spring cleaning is kind of a, an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. All right, we are back from the break. And before we get to that real estate question, that question about the, the essentially the easiest way to become a landlord, before we get to that one, let's take this question about what to do with $5,000. 
Hey guys, it's Alyssa from Chicago. Just wanted to say I'm a newer listener to the show, but loving it so much. It has helped me because I've always been good at saving and paying bills, but working on the investing aspect. Recently, my dad gave me $5,000 as a gift as he is starting chemo and received an insurance payout. I am 30. I have a house. My car is paid off. I have about $1,000 in credit card debt and roughly $11,000 in savings. I have a 401k at work, which I have contributed to since I was 19, and I have a small amount of stocks, probably worth about $2,000. However, I do not have a Roth account. My house does need some updating. My fence is currently held together by hopes and prayers, and my furnace is ancient. That being said, the saver in me wants to squirrel away the money for a rainy day. But is that really for the best? Could I somehow add this money to my 401k? Should I just use the cash to replace my fence and avoid taking out a loan through my credit union? Or maybe just put in a CD where it's still be accessible, but yields a slightly higher interest rate? Anyway, thanks in advance, guys. Wishing you the very best. Alyssa, thanks for your question. And, and, you know, I first want to say we wish you and your dad the very best right now. I'm so sorry that he's going through cancer treatment. What a tough thing, right? Obviously. And then what a, what a sweet thing for him to do in the middle of this tough time mm-hmm. to, to give you some, some cash to help you out. So yeah, we want to, of course, help make sure that you make the most of that gift and use it well. And the first thing that Matt and I would say is to, to trust the saver inside of you. <laughs> I, I love that your first instinct is to squirrel away the cash for a rainy day. Um, or, you know, it sounds like those rainy days might be coming soon with the furnace and the fence. And it sounds like too, after you pay off that $1,000 in credit card debt, which should be the first thing on your list, by the way. You should do that immediately. Most of this money should go into a straight-up savings account. Uh, obviously, hopes and prayers, not typically a great strategy for funding <laughs> house maintenance. Um, you, you'll likely need a decent chunk in the near future for repairs to your home. Especially in the personal finance stratosphere, cash can get a bad rap. It can become all about investing. And investing's great. Uh, but at the same time, having that cash in the bank, there's nothing better for peace of mind or for paying for those things that, that pop up. Yeah, totally, man. And Alyssa, one thing that's worth noting, it, you did mention that you have $11,000 in the bank currently in savings, right? And so depending on your expenses every month, you know that could be a pretty solid emergency fund that you already have stashed away, but it, it kind of all depends on your monthly expenses. And so for you, it might be a good idea to put an upper limit on how much you have stashed away in savings. That way, you, you know, you can avoid having to think about this regularly. It keeps you from, you know, constantly feeling like that you might need to save a little bit more, but actually setting a limit to where, you know, a goal so that, you know, once you hit that number, you, you no longer have to worry about savings at that point. And for most folks around six months is great. But if you are a little more conservative, you can, you know, even set aside up to 12 months in your emergency fund. But any more than that is just overkill. We don't feel that that is necessary. Yeah. And let's talk about CDs too, Matt. Alyssa threw that in there. Is it a better idea to lock your money up for, I don't know, 11 months, a year, two years in order to get a little bit of a higher return? And actually one of our favorite CD products is from Ally. They have a no penalty CD product that's really good. That offers more flexibility than the average bank offered CD. You're penalized a whole lot less if you decide that you do need the cash before the term is over. But currently, CD rates, Matt, they're not very good. They're virtually the same as what you'd earn in a high interest savings account. So why in the world 
would you go uh, through the process of tying your money up? Good question. To get the same old rate that you can get on a savings account. Well, it might actually make sense in some cases. And we talked about this, I don't know, a few months ago. And you actually did this, Matt, when we talked about it. And I'm sure you're glad you did because interest rates have continued to drop. In an environment where interest rates are dropping, locking in at an incredibly low rate in a CD can actually make sense because rates for savers are continuing to decline. So when you locked in, do you remember what your rate was at? Of course. one3 baby. See, don't mean to brag, but I've got 0.7% on you, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's, that's huge, right? That was a really smart move. It it is. I mean, when you look at it from like a percentage standpoint, right? It's like, oh, wow, that's more than twice as much as you know, what rates are currently and like big picture. It's not a huge deal. But at the same time, if you know that you're going to have that money set aside and that you're likely not going to need it, why not lock it into a a CD, especially one where if you do need the money, you're not penalized. Yeah, exactly. Especially a flexible one. Yes. Like the ally one. And, And I agree. I think that can be a good spot. Uh, for Alyssa to put some of her money because it offers kind of the best of both worlds. Yeah, and we're not guaranteeing that high interest savings rates are going to continue to drop, but they might. <laughs> and so let's zoom out to the big picture, Alyssa. You know, we love where your head is at. Investing beyond what you already are putting into your workplace account is a great goal, but we don't want you to do that at the risk of not having the savings you need in order to pay for some necessary repairs that you need to take care of soon. So come up with a plan to start investing uh, as you accomplish that goal of having at least six months of savings on hand. And then you know your investing plan could be pretty easy and straightforward. You could just start to contribute maybe $100 a month to a Roth IRA with a company like Fidelity or M1. Uh, you could even look at maybe Vanguard. Uh, that's another great company that we mentioned in a, in a question earlier in this episode. But they do have a minimum investment amount of $1,000. Yeah. Ultimately, just saving money and never investing anything, um, you're never going to be able to get ahead and really, really save well for the future unless you take advantage of these tax advantage investment accounts, like opening up your own Roth IRA. And Alyssa, it sounds like you're getting close. Make sure you run the numbers on your expenses that you have at least that six months saved up and then start doing what Matt said. And you can start even with just a little bit. That'll get you going. Um, so best of luck to you and best of luck to your dad too, as, as treatment continues. That's right, man. It's almost like a dance, right? You want to have that stability of having savings. That way your financial life doesn't get upended. But at the same time, like you said, if you're only saving, you're not going to be able to really get ahead when it comes to your retirement. Can never outpace inflation that way. Yeah, that's right, man. All right. Next question is about real estate. Let's talk about the easiest way that most listeners out there can get into being a a small time landlord. Hey, Joel and Matt. This is Tim in Fargo, North Dakota. I've loved all of your episodes, even the early ones. My wife and I purchased our home in 2014 and we've paid down our balance aggressively and expect to have it all paid off within five years. At that time, we're looking to move into a new house and use our old house as a rental. My hope is to get a low to no interest loan from family to make the down payment on the new home and pay back that loan from the proceeds of the rental. Are there any pitfalls that I should be looking out for? Will the down payment loan from my family make it more difficult to get a traditional mortgage on the new home? Thanks again for all your advice, guys. I've really enjoyed the show. Tim, thanks for your question. First, I got to say, I love Fargo <laughs> and not the town, uh, the movie and the TV show. I haven't actually been to Fargo, although I'm sure I'd, I'd love it. But You're, uh, Joel's a big fan of that wood chipper scene. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So classic. But really, man, every every season of the show, I was like surprised when they turned it into a TV show because I was like, the movie was so great. How can right. you even try to rip off that? But it's been awesome. They like It's been a really, really good TV show too. Uh, so I highly recommend it if you're into wood chippers. <laughs> yeah, maybe a little bit of violence, but um, yeah. <laughs> Congrats, uh, by the way, Tim, on making so much progress on paying down your home. 
that's awesome. Shows a lot of dedication. And very cool, too, that you're able to get a down payment, uh, a loan, essentially, from helpful family members. That's a really, really fortunate thing to have. But, Matt, let's talk about how he can make that work without messing up the financing he needs to get. Yeah, that's kind of a unique situation that, yeah, Tim, that you're in, right? Where you're able to borrow that money from family members. Um, and I guess I want to mention that because I think you need to be aware of the fact that borrowing money from family, how that could possibly change the family dynamics a little bit. I think receiving a one-time gift doesn't concern me, right? Because it's like, here's a gift, do what you want with it, or we expect that you will put this towards you know, your house <laughs> or a down payment, something like that. But beyond that, there aren't any strings attached versus having a loan. I feel like that could potentially make things a little bit awkward. You know, like you're sitting around and they're like, hey, how's the, uh, how's the loan repayment coming along? You know, uh, I feel like that can make things a little bit weird. And so, I don't know, in those instances, that might be a situation where instead of, you know, paying down your house that you're currently in aggressively to instead save up for or a down payment yourself. You don't necessarily have to pay off that mortgage completely before you move out of there, before you tr- you know convert that into a rental. So instead of paying down that loan aggressively, focusing that money towards you know creating your own down payment, I see that being a good way that you could potentially keep things a little more simple. Yeah, yeah, Matt. I, I think that's a great point. So much of, of this whole thing, so much of borrowing this money depends on what your relationship is like with the family member loaning you money and whether or not that's going to become a big deal in right. the future. It's you kind of got to put your hand to the wind and see where you think the wind's blowing um, in that because you don't want to get yourself in a position where you're compromising a relationship over money. Right. And I agree. Like you said, I'd rather still have a mortgage on the home I currently live in that I'm now going to rent out and self-fund this new home purchase, not take any family money if it's going to alter a relationship and it's going to make the family dynamic weird. Yeah. And especially considering where interest rates are right now, right? If he can potentially save up a down payment within the next couple of years, there's a really good chance that he's going to be at these rock bottom interest rates. Uh, And so I would hate... I mean, in five years, six years from now, those rates could still be pretty low, but you know that right now they're pretty much guaranteed to be that low, right? Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about two. Let's get specifically to Tim's question. And well, how could this family loan make it difficult to get a loan from the bank? Well, the best way to avoid complications is to have that money in your bank account well in advance of applying for a loan from a bank or credit union. That bank or credit union wants to see that the money has been what's known as seasoned. And so they'll typically ask, right, when you're applying for a loan for two to three months of bank statements, And they're going to ask questions based on any major deposits that have come in over the prior two to three months. So having that money deposited at least 90 days in advance of applying for your loan is going to make the process a whole lot smoother for you. It means there are fewer hoops to jump through, less questions asked, and fewer potential delays in getting your loan approved. So yeah, make sure those funds are seasoned in order to make that process easy. Yeah, seasoned like a good cast iron skillet, you know, not <laughs> not like salt and pepper seasoned. It just needs to take time. Like you have to actually cook on it. <laughs> like a season. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like 90 days. So that's what you need to do with your money here, Tim. That money needs to be in your accounts for, yeah, ideally, if you want to play it safe for three months. And by the way, I love the strategy of renting out a home that you used to live in. This is something that our family has done. Joel, you have done this multiple times now. And Tim, when you own that home mortgage free, man, that means major cash flow coming your way. That is awesome. It's obviously taken a lot of dedication on your part, but man, keep up the good work because it will feel so good to to have that rental income coming in 
in every single month. No doubt. Best of luck, Tim. Hopefully we didn't scare you off too much from taking that family loan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it all comes down to the family. You yeah. know, like, like they might have the most healthy family where they talk about money openly. Nobody's ever holding anything over your head. There's no weirdness going on. Right. And so if that's what you have going on there with your family, it's almost like this sort of secret personal finance weapon that you have at your disposal. Again, not everybody has a family that's in a situation like that. But if you do and, and, and it's not going to make things weird, then go for it, man. No doubt. All right, Matt, let's get back to the beer that we had on the show. This was a black raspberry sour brewed by Westbrook Brewing Company out of South Carolina. What were your thoughts on this beer, man? Dude, I really liked it. Westbrook, they make some amazing beers, so it doesn't surprise me that they knocked it out of the park with this series, which is, I believe the series is Fruit, Wood, and Thyme, <laughs> which I love. You know, you, you it's, get, a, it's a seasoned beer, maybe. It, it, it really is. <laughs> but in particular, that wood, for me, is what makes these sours so delicious. Is it's got that oaky element going on. Um, but as we poured it, man, it had this beautiful dark red color. It was tart and fruity. Uh, definitely has some sourness going on. And to me, the sourness almost had like this sauerkraut-like uh, flavor going on. It almost had like this pickled cabbage flavor, which sounds really weird, but it really worked. Uh, it was really acidic and really aggressive, but I really liked it. Yeah, I liked it too, man. I, I thought the color was actually kind of like a crushed red velvet sort of color. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and <laughs> the, the taste was actually kind of similar. It was velvety smooth. It was rich. Uh, the raspberry goodness was so good mixed with the, the hint of oak from how it was aged. Um, this beer was delicious. It was bottled like two and a half years ago, and it's still holding up nicely, man. This is bottle a- condition too, because they like introduce other cultures, and so it actually continues to develop within the bottle, and, and it makes it really delicious. Yeah, still tasting phenomenal right now. Have so. you ever been up to, to Westbrook in person? No, somehow I've missed it. I, I, it, I gotta go. It's it's in South Carolina, but it's near Charleston. I think it's in Mount Pleasant, and I've literally never been there in person. But for all the delicious beers I've had from there, I, I feel like a road trip is due. Yeah, for sure. Got to make that happen one of these days. All right, and uh, then we'll swing up to Fargo. Let's do it. <laughs> That's, well, they're very close to well, each other. While we're at it, let's yeah, why it. not? <laughs> Your geography <laughs> continues to astound me how good you are at geography. Yeah, we'll, we'll make it to Fargo. I, I really, I mean, if, if I love the, the movie and the TV show so much, I got to love the town too, right? Got to love the people. It's inevitable. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode, Matt. For folks who want show notes for this episode, just go to our website at howtomoney.com. Yeah, and we really hope that you have enjoyed and found this episode helpful. If you have, we would love it if you were a subscriber, if you were a regular listener. So wherever it is that you're listening to this episode, make sure you mash that subscribe button. Maybe even grab your partner's phone as well. Pull up podcast on their phone and hit subscribe as well. It can be a nice little surprise for them. Early Christmas gift. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, man, that's going to be it for this episode. Until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.